we went further in the Tanya and he starts off with a series of questions based on the Gemara that the Tanya begins with, which is a Brice in Nida, which asks, describes a um, pre-birth experience that the Neshama has, which means the essence of the person prior to being born into this world actually undergoes a vow of commitment. Which, which, which I, I don't I don't know how to translate that into our terms, but something along the lines of that, there's a part of ourselves even in our con, in our in our in our experience of life that is pushing us to to the way the words of the of the <clears throat> Brisa in Nidar to be a tzaddik and not to be a rasha, to be a tzaddik and not to be a rasha. In other words, there's there's a deep deep part of a person that's urging us to go ahead and to strive for greatness in spirituality. And even though there's that part, there's a part of us which has an acknowledgement that if the whole world tells me that I'm that, I will look at myself in a negative light. And that's where the Balatanya begins by barraging the second component of this Gemara with a series of difficulties. Um, focusing on why would it be a good idea to look at myself as being evil, disconnected, and um, essentially spiritually decrepit. Why, why would that be good? First of all, the mission in Avoy says that you should always look at yourself in a positive light and not look at yourself as a Russia. Secondly, practically speaking, if you look at yourself as being someone who's evil, so one of two things will happen. Either you'll it will just have a negative impact on your behavior because you'll just think to yourself, well, you know, if I'm, I'm, if I'm really bad, so then I'm, I'm unworthy and it will affect the way that you do mitzvahs. You won't be able to do it with joy and with, with enthusiasm because you'll think, well, well like, this is like, what's the point? Or alternatively, you just won't take it seriously and therefore you'll just make, make light of it, which means you'll be spiritually a little bit disconnected. So there's no good thing that could have come out of this. And that's the first, the first, um, really two questions that the Balatanya asks. And then he goes on to this idea that there's actually different, there's different categories of people, which, which, which means, and the reason why he's doing this is because he's, his goal in this book is to provide us, as he said, with the answers to all the questions we may be asking about how do we navigate ourselves in terms of our spiritual development. And therefore, once we have this basis, we have a system and a structure, we can adapt it and apply it to every situation we get into. So we need to have a little bit of a broader understanding of how that works, where we fit, and based on where we fit, what we do, what we need to do with the the stuff that's happening inside. <laughs> so he starts by having this spectrum of different levels of spiritual awareness. On the highest point, you've got what he calls a tzaddik v'toyvloi, and on the lowest point, you've got a rasha v'raloi. The characteristic understanding of those two components, actually, the the second part of the phrase, Tzadik V'toivloi, or Rosha V'raloi, are referring to the first part is a description of the person Tzadik. V'toivloi is describing his material existence in this world, his life. Rosha V'raloi. So Tzadik V'toivloi means a Tzadik, and everything goes goes great. A Rosha V'raloi means he's a Rosha, he's a terrible person, and everything goes terribly. And then there's another two levels but above a Rosha, a wicked person, and below a Tzaddik. It's Tzaddik Viraloi and Rosha Vitovla, which would mean, based on this paradigm, a Tzaddik Viraloi is a Tzaddik that everything goes terribly in his life, and a Rosha Vitovla is a Rosha that everything goes great in his life. 
That's the characteristic understanding according to the Talmud Bavli in the early stages of the Gemara and Brochus. <coughs> but he brings a Zohar Kaddish, which gives a completely different understanding. And that both the first part of the phrase and the second part of the phrase are descriptions of the person. So tzaddik of a means a tzaddik, and he's such a great tzaddik that the good inside of him is completely his, and that's all there is. Rosh is he's so disconnected, so distant, so amputated from spiritual awareness that that's everything about who he is. He's a Rosha and it's Ra Loi. And the two interim, the two levels beneath those or above those is a tzaddik v'ra'aloi, is a tzaddik, and he has bad stuff inside of him, but loy, it belongs to him, meaning he's totally subjugated the evil inside of himself, even though he's got negative impulses and urges, they never impact his being in any way whatsoever. They're totally under his control. Similarly, a Rosh of loy is a person who is in a negative spiritual state, but he has goodness inside of him, but the goodness is completely subsumed by his evil and doesn't really have an impact on his day-to-day life. And straddled between those two levels is something called the Beinoini. And the Beinoini is going to become the point of interest for us because that's where he's going to place the average Jew striving for spiritual grandeur. He's not going to be on the side of the Tzadikim, neither of the Rishayim, and we'll have to find who that Benoni is. In order to get that point, the Balatani is going to build up a whole picture for us, and that's why the next thing he goes is after describing these levels, he quotes the Zohar that I've just described to you, and then he brings even a raya from the revealed Torah, from the Gemara in the end of Brochus, which describes the Benoni. Because none of these brachas had, Gomorrahs had described the Beinoni, the in-betweener. And he, the Gomorrah in brachas describes the in-betweener as a person that is both his Yetzatoiv, his good inclination, and his Yetzatoiv, his evil inclination, judge him. A tzaddik is Yetzatoiv Shoftan. Tzaddik is Yetzatoiv Shoftan. They only have, in other words, in the decision-making process, there's only one voice that is heard, and that's the voice of goodness. A Rasha, in the decision-making process, there's only vo- one voice which is heard, and that's the voice of riches, of evil. The Beinoini hears both voices. He's torn, he's straddled between these competing judgments of how I should decide in this given moment. But then, Rabbah, who's a tzaddik of note, we would think, comes along and says, and I'm a Benoini, which throws a spanner in the works. Because until now, we were happy with that level of Benoini, because it sounds like a person who's struggling. Clearly, Rabbah wasn't in that category. Rabbah was a tzaddik. So why is Rabbah describing himself as a Benoini? So that's a question that the Baal uh, Tanya asks. And then he goes on and he asks another kasha from Eoiv. And Eoiv was a person who's very, very old. He was in the times of Moshe Rabbeinu and the exodus from Egypt. And his book, the book of Job, describes his suffering. In the course of a discourse, the, in the course of his dialogue with, with HaKadosh Bochu, the Gemara in, in Bava Basra says, he said the following thing to Hashem. He said to Hashem, You have created Tzadikim and you have created Rishayim. And the Balatanya takes his words to be prophetic, which means he takes him seriously, that Hashem does actually make 
tzaddikim, and he does actually make Rishoyim. And on this, the Balatanya asks, how can that possibly be? If that is a true statement, surely a person has been given the option to become a tzaddik or a rasha. In fact, that's the basis of all human life is the notion of freedom of choice. That gives us meaning, that gives our life purpose. If we are predetermined to be a particular level of spirituality, so then we are nothing more than an organism just carrying out some kind of divine plan without any of our own contribution. And that completely undermines absolutely everything about our faith. So he says, well, how can you have said that? Okay, good. And that's where we're up to in the Tanya. That was just a sum up so we can move on. Now I'm going to go further on in the text. I'm going to expect or hope from you just to stay with me, stay tuned, stay engaged because it is Sunday morning, it is late in the morning, it is nearing the pivotal time of the day which we describe as not mincha but lunch. So I'm going to ask you to to hopefully with your left resources of um, glucose um, you'll you'll use your your remaining energy well. Continues the Bible. Tanya says, "V'gam lahavin mehus madregus abeinoni shebavad ena mechza zuchayis mechza voinus." So the next thing the Bible Tanya does is he blows out of the water what we would have thought abeinoni is, and we've heard the phrase abeinoni so many times, and we hear it a lot around Ilul, and they say, "Well, what's abeinoni? Abeinoni is his half half. He's half. He's he's got half of various and half." Half mitzvahs and half averes. Half sins and half mitzvahs. Good deeds. So he's like, he's straddled in between. Which, if you actually start to think about it, and the Balatani is going to question it, 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 it is, it's quite absurd. Because, I mean, how long do you think you'd be able to maintain that, that balance for? Let, let's say, for example, in this moment. So let's say we're starting out, and let's say two of you right now is a Benoni. Um, again, I'm not saying he is. I'm not saying which way he would go. But let's say right now he's a Benoni. You with me, Tuvs? Yeah. Um, I just want you to appreciate the words of the Balatanya. Isn't it Kashmak? Mm-hmm. Like the fact that he, he said that this idea that that Bainoinim um, are straddled between two worlds. I just, together we learned some Torah. So now, if you're previously half half, now you've just tipped the scales. There we go, he's not Bainoinim anymore. And if anyone else in the show is Bainoinim, you've just lost your Bainoinim status. And now you've heard that, and then you think to yourselves, why is Siegel so obnoxious? And assuming that that's not a nice thing to think, which of course is debatable, maybe make you may even lift you even higher, but maybe it's going to it's going to make you lower. So then, boom. So so where's this? Where you ever? Where are you ever? It just doesn't it doesn't seem to make any sense that you you ever pure perfectly poised to be a Bainoni. And the Balatanya really hammers his home and he says it can never actually mean that. Benoni can never mean mechza called mechza zuchus or mechza voinus, that you've got half meritorious and you're half uh, in trouble. Because he says the following thing. First of all, for sure that's not the pshat. How could Rabba have understood himself to be on that level? Even if you doing, Rabba was so lofty that his mouth did not stop learning for a second, to the degree that in order for the 
death to come upon a person, he has to be somehow dislocated from spiritual connection. Otherwise, death can't rule over him. The Malachah Marvis, the angel of death, can't seize him. So the angel of death came to see, seize Rabbah. He was an, unable to do so because Rabbah was so connected constantly in the world of Torah and learning, he was impossible to, to get. Until eventually the Malachim Avis came up with a plan that he caused a big noise in the background. There was a disturbance. Rabbah for a second got distracted and he got him. Now, if Rabbah is... Is a Beinoni, he can't be Mechzavonius and Mechzaschuyes. He's for sure not straddled in between having half a various and half mitzvahs and he's in that process. That makes no sense. Raya number one. When a person does a various, Nikarasha. You call it Rasha. You're not called a Beinoni. When you do a Navayu, if you do a Navayu, you call it Rasha. Rasha means you're not a good person. You do a Navayu, you are called a Rasha. Okay, so that means once you've done Navayu, you're Rasha. So when does the when does the description of Russia go away? And if you did shiva afterwards, you're tzaddik. So let's we'll see what happens. You wake up in the morning, you do an aver. What are you, you're Russia? When do you lose your status of Russia? When you do shiva. And what happens when you do shiva? You become a tzaddik. So when were you a beinoni? Isn't this beautiful and challenging? And it's not so hard to be called a Rasha. Because even if you transgress a simple, seemingly a lenient transgression, which is only rabbinically described, the Gemarion Yuvamas and Nida says, You called a Rasha. And not only if you did something wrong, but even if you're in an environment, you were in an apartment, you have a family, that the people are doing things which are untoward, they should not be doing. For example, You've got a roommate that's not waking up in time for davening. And you don't protest that. You have a roommate that's not saying brochas with kavana. You have a roommate that's not wearing um, tzitzis. Or he's not uh, putting on tefillin. Or he's speaking Lashon Horror. And you don't protest his actions, you are held liable for them and you're called a Russia. Okay, that was a setup. Um, even though in, in theory that's true, but in practice, if you have a roommate that fell into one of the above categories, don't do anything. <laughs> let him be. Literally, let him be. Now, I know that's hard for you, Ariel. Let him be. Let him be. That's why the great Chazonis group, have you heard the great Chazonis groups? They're called the Jukim. They sang this beautiful song. Let it be. Let it be. <laughs> let it be. If he does a virus, let it be. <laughs> Um, now, why did, why why is it there? Because today things are very complicated and people aren't receptive to being told off and it backfires. This is not about transparent communication with roommates. It's about trying to tell them that they should be doing things that you believe they should be doing. Leave it up to them, especially you're in a Baal Shiva, um, which, which makes it even more complex. So, you know, it's, even though it's not for us relevant, but the, the notion is true that I don't even have. I don't even have to do something wrong myself to get the label of Russia applied to me, even if I'm just passive in relating to other people. In other words, the the modern application today may be that if I don't have an awareness of 
the incredible spiritual disconnection of people around me, and it doesn't irk me on the same level that I'm trying to find a way of, in inverted commas, quotation marks, protest their actions. So it could be that the way you protest today is by offering people trips to Taiwan and sushi. That's the kind of protest which people feel may be a lot more effective and actually may help them, you know, get back. But like throwing stones and shouting, Shabos, may not. Um, but the idea is that if, you, if you're oblivious to that, even though you do nothing wrong yourself and you're like all okay, you're still called a Russia according to the categorization, the nomenclature of Chazal. And even more so if you um, didn't keep a positive commandment, that you're able to keep. Any person that has the capability to learn Torah and he doesn't learn, that's considered a disgrace, and therefore he is um, so he's for sure called a Russia. So his first question is like this, who is this Bainoni? If he's done something wrong, he's called a Russia. If he then does Chuv, he's called a Tzadik. And don't think it's that hard to do something wrong. Because all you have to do to do something wrong is not learn when you should have learned. Which means now you're a Russia. Well, if you're a Russia now, so how do you become a Tzaddik? Well, you do Chiva. But until you've done Chiva, what are you? You're a Russia. So it means that Rabbi, therefore, Beinoini is above a Russia. He's a higher level than a Russia. And therefore, he doesn't even have the negative trait of losing out one second of learning Torah. Now we understand why Rabbi made that mistake. Rabbi could be a Beinoini, even though he never stopped learning for a second. Because if he stopped learning for a second when he could have learned, he would be a Russia. So he was a Beinoini because he didn't stop learning for a second, not despite. Okay, good. So th- therefore, that's a, that, this is like really kind of starting to become quite jarring. <laughs> it seems to be that the goalposts have just been moved about 15 light years away from us. Because if I was imagining myself to be a Benoni, um now I'm pretty convinced that I'm, I'm not quite sure which category of Russia, but I'm definitely, definitely in the wrong camp. So we'll have to deal with this. This is going to be a process. So no one, no one make two, there are no foregone conclusions. So no one, no one go up the derech just yet. Um, Stay with me for for a little bit, and um, we'll see where it goes. But until now, that's in, in, forget about the emotional and practical implications on our life and our spiritual world. But in terms of based on his sources and his reasoning, he's saying something which is pretty tight. Do you get that? What don't you get, Daniel Nussbaum? What do you mean by tight? Um, it makes sense. It flows. It's 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 logical. Yeah, it's pretty logical. In other words, I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to understand it. I'm not trying to. Well, how do I feel about that? I'm not going to the world of emotions. But from a pure presentation of logic, he just described the Benoni as someone that has no negative behavior whatsoever attributed to him. The minute there's a negative behavioral pattern, which is part of your life, regardless of whether it's tiny or even just the fact that you're passive in regard to other people who are doing things, so then you're called a Russia. So, first of all, it ups our perspective of what a Russia is. We like, <laughs> we, we, when we see a Russia, we'll call him a tzaddik. 
And when we saw a tzaddik, we'll, when we see a Bainoini, we'll say he's a tzaddik gomer. And above the Bainoini, there's still two levels of, of, of righteousness. So we'll have to see who this Bainoini is. What the Balatani is going to do next, if I can just hold on to your attention for just a, a drop long, and I know, I know kind of as, as the time goes on, the glucose does seem to get dissolved and attention dwelled, which, which I understand you because it is quite hard to focus on this boring monotone. So I'm going to call you to like do a little bit of an act of self-sacrifice in favor of Hanukkah, um, unless of course you'd like to slip into some kind of very deep samba. But on, if, you want to, if you want to stay awake, and you want to stay focused, I think there's something big going to happen right now in this book. I think it's big. Are you ready for it? He says the following thing. He says, he says the truth is there are Gemara's which tell me that when you're evenly weighted between mitzvahs and averas, you are called a Benoni. And if you've got more mitzvahs than averas, you're called a Tzadik, which flies in the face of what you just said. Because what you just said, it doesn't matter how many mitzvahs you've got, as long as you've done an avera and you haven't done tshuva, you're a rasha. It doesn't matter if you've got a thousand million other mitzvahs. But there is a gemara that says actually not that way. There is a gemara that says majority mitzvahs tzaddik, evenly weighted benoni. That expression is used in the connection of a judgment. In judgment, you are judged after the majority of your actions. It's not describing who you are. It's describing what you've done in relation to are you worthy of a acquitting or are you worthy of a condemnation. In regard to that, it depends on the majority of your actions, which is in its own right a whole discussion of why that would be. But if a person has a majority of good actions, he's given, let's say, on Rosh Hashanah, he's given another lease on life. He's got another year to play around with. If he, if he doesn't, so then it's questionable, questionable what he's given. Um, it doesn't always mean he's not given another year, but it's questionable. Okay? So that's in regard, the expression of a beinoni being mechza, mechza, half off, that's only in relation to din. It's not in relation to who he is as a person. In terms of who he is as a person, so then it's very much based on the Gemara we saw in Brochus, which is, when it's a tzaddik, he only has the Eitz Toiv, and he brings a raya from words that David HaMelech said. And David HaMelech said the following words in Tehillim. V'libi, my heart, chalol b'kirbi. My heart is hollow inside of me. She'ein loy yeitzahara. That he didn't have a yeitzahara. A tzaddik Omer has no longer any vestige of evil within him, which means his component to do wrong has ceased to exist. He is totally and utterly pure. But anyone, he killed his Yetzirah through his afflictions and through whatever he needed to do. There was no longer, he no longer had any vestige, remnant, residue of evil inside of him. He was completely pure. He had no freedom of choice. He lost his freedom of choice completely. But if he's if he's hugger with tiniest, that means it wasn't that Hashem created him. So how does okay, that good. The, we haven't answered that question, correct? 
We're just answering who is a tzaddik. A tzaddik, the toivler, a tzaddik gomer, means he has surpassed, he's graduated from freedom of choice. He's graduated from freedom of choice. Freedom of choice is just a mechanism of getting you to a certain level, but you can graduate beyond it. You have to be born with freedom of choice. You don't have to die with freedom of choice. Because if every decision theoretically you made lifted your level to the degree that you'd be able to totally and utterly elevate yourself to the nth degree, and your decisions became so habituated that you no longer had any inclination to do do anything which was negative through a struggle that you went through, so then you leave you reach a level of total total and sublime perfection. And David Amelech reached that level. I'm not saying that's the level that that I've reached or that Shmayahu has reached, even though I do suspect he's well on the way. My mom listens to this. Yeah, I know she does. <laughs> okay, so yes, Daniel, want to ask something? No, no, no. Good, okay, yes. But, like, they're not considered human, I guess. The whole nature of human is agency to choose. These people then aren't human. They, they become supernatural, correct. Human means that you have, you have the power to choose, but also when you are, if you use that power to choose effectively, so one day you'll graduate and you'll be superhuman. And then you have no, no freedom of choice. Uh, well, like living is Dafka, this challenge, and then overcoming it and, 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 and choosing well. If you don't have that agency. If, if, I, give it, if I give it, if I give it another word, you eat, you already begin your Olam Haba in Olam Hazer. In Olam Haba, you also don't have Bechira. You're reaping the rewards of your actions. So if you're effective enough in your actions, you can reap your rewards beginning in this world. You're no longer, yes, you're part of the point of loving, the point of loving and living is no longer to choose, it's to just exist. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's driving that Can you lose it once you've had it? Certainly not. Once you get to that you stage, No, you it's gone. It's gone. You chose it. You can't. There's no residue. There's nothing that will pull you back. Okay. Um, so now. But until you have reached this level, even though you've done many, many go- more good things than you have done bad things, you're, no, you're not on the level of a tzaddik. Not at all. And that's now you understand the medrash. Now, now we understand the medrash. Because think about it. If the definition of tzaddik would be someone that's got more mitzvahs than averas, oi, I would hope that would apply to every single person sitting in this room, except for, I'm not saying, everyone in this room has got more mitzvahs than averas. Let's be honest. So therefore, we all tzaddikim. But look what the Medrash says. The Medrash says, Hashem looked at tzaddikim, meaning he looked at the future of Sadiqim in the history of the world and their role that they would play amongst the Jewish people, Shaheim Mu'atim, and he saw how few they were. V'shoslim b'chol dovador, and since he saw how, how relatively rare it was to have a tzaddik, he made sure that every generation had a tzaddik, which implies in the given generation there's really one or two tzaddikim, maybe a couple more. But there's no, there's no millions of tzaddikim. 
there are millions of Jews who've got many more Averas. Sorry, <laughs> that's also true. There are millions of Jews who've got many more mitzvahs and Averas, but there's not millions of Tzadikim. There's a few Tzadikim, a very few Tzadikim. So if Tzadik meant having more mitzvahs than Averas, then there would be millions, and therefore this major should make no sense. So he's bringing a proof to the fact that it must be that being a Tzadik, which he's described as a person that has no the residue of evil in them. That's a real rarity. Those are few and far between. And now he's about to discuss how the whole thing works. And he says, and sorry, and he brings another out, Tzadik is the foundation of the world, which is, it sounds like it's a singular. There's one Tzadik that keeps the world going. Just a little bit further, and then we'll break from Mincha, which I agree is we're already on the, on the heels of Mincha right now, and this, this kind of this seemingly elongated chair is about to become shortly finished. So I just, I just, if you can, just before we land, keep your seat belts fastened and don't move from your seats until the fastened seat belt is switched off. He quotes the Reb Vital, who is a Talmud of the Arizal, and he quotes the Arizal himself. And he says the following thing: Boom! Whoa! Oh my golly, 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 gosh! That every Jew, both Sadik and both Rasha, doesn't have one neshama. He's got two neshamas. Two neshamas. And he brings a pasuk from that that proves it. Hashem says in the creation of man and neshamas plural are made. Which are the two selves within us. We have two selves inside of us. Two personalities. Two people inside of us. Our existence is actually dual. We have got two separate and we're going to see maybe even theoretically, independent personalities embedded in our psyche. And this could explain our struggles in this world, and this may give us direction in moving forward, and this draws to a close at a very exciting point. Today's lesson in Tanya.